Well, good morning and welcome to this week's City of Love gathering. Whether you're watching us on a Sunday morning, catching up at a later time or listening to us on the phone, you are so welcome. And our prayer is that our time together will be a real blessing to us all. This service is designed to run continuously as a playlist on YouTube. So if you find this isn't happening, please go back to the Kirkpatrick page on YouTube and select City of Love Gathering Playlist 8. My name is Rachel and along with my husband Al and our daughter Lena, we are members of the church family at Kirkpatrick. We have just loved seeing familiar faces on these videos every Sunday, worshipping God together and spending time with our discipleship group after church on a Sunday and during the week as well. For one of our discipleship gatherings during the week using Zoom, we decided to mix things up a bit and have a quiz instead, which was really good fun. One of the rounds was particularly tricky for our household. We were shown photographs of objects where you could only see a small part of the object. The camera had zoomed in really close and you had to try and identify what the object was. We weren't very good at it. I'm going to show you one of these and see how you guys do this morning. What do you think this is a picture of? A close-up picture of what do you think? Boys and girls, if you're watching, what do you think? Wonder did you get it? Well, here's the answer. It was spaghetti. Did you get it? I wonder if you did. We didn't get that one. You see, we found that round really hard because it's so much harder to see the whole object when we focus in on one small part. And I think the same is true in life as well. If we only focus on what is before us, on what we can see, what we're experiencing, then it's much more difficult to see the bigger picture. And most importantly, to see the one who's the creator and sustainer of it all. In these strange and difficult times, when we're being forced to stop our normal rhythms and life for many of us has become smaller with fresh challenges. It's easy to become overwhelmed, anxious, disheartened and lose sight of the Lord in it all. In Psalm 121, the psalmist asks this question, where does my help come from? And his answer is the answer that followers of Jesus can proclaim with him this morning. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The psalmist goes on to reassure the Lord's people at that time of his tireless care for them. As I read the next few verses, notice how often the word keep is used. He, that is God, will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Let's pray. Lord God, we lift our eyes to you this morning. Thank you that you're the maker of heaven and earth. You were before all things and in you all things hold together. 
Lord, we're so sorry that we can be quick to lose sight of these truths about you. Life is so different and challenging in lots of ways at the moment. Forgive us when we forget that you're the same Lord who does not change and that you've promised your tireless care for your people, that you will keep us. Thank you for the peace and rest that we can know in you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Let's lift our eyes and our voices now to the Lord and sing, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And this will then be followed by our Sunday Club slot. Hello boys and girls. It's great to be able to chat to you this morning, although I really wish that we could do it in person. What about all this home school and home church and even home Sunday club? I wonder how you're feeling about it all. Maybe you've wondered what God is doing right now and why things are so strange in the world. It can be hard to know how to talk to God about things like this sometimes. But there's a brilliant example for us in the Bible. In the middle of the Bible, there's a book called Psalms. And it's full of songs and poems written by King David and by some other writers as well. And they are really honest and open about how they feel. They talk about being happy and sad. They talk about being worried, scared, lonely, excited and glad. They tell God what they think of him and they ask lots of questions too. The very first Psalm says that if we spend time reading and thinking about the Bible, listening and talking to God, then we are like a tree that's been planted by a river, always in bloom with fresh fruit growing and our leaves never falling off. That sounds great, doesn't it? I don't know if you can see, but our garden has lost a bit of its shine these days. The grass has almost completely disappeared because of the amount of time being spent running around it. The flowers end up with footballs and rugby balls on them and the tiny fledgling vegetables are in grave danger from badminton rackets and cub sticks and all sorts of things landing on them. But there's one thing that's doing really well in the garden and it's this big tree here. And that's because it's got deep roots and it's getting all the nutrients it's, it needs. It's really strong and the leaves have popped out and the birds are loving it. Its roots are really deep, it's getting everything it's ne it needs. And that's what we're like if we spend time in the Bible, thinking about it, getting to know God and asking God to speak to us. So here's your challenge. In the email that Christoph has sent out, there's this little sheet and it is going to help you to write your own psalm. We would love you to try to do that. Use the sheet to help you to talk to God and to tell him how you're feeling, to ask him questions, to say thank you to him for things and to tell him all about the way that you're feeling at the minute. He wants to hear it all and you can say anything to him. Then if you would like to, you can send this to us. Take a photo of it and send it in. You can illustrate it. You can make it long or short. In fact, one of the Psalms in the Bible, number 117, is only two verses long. So get your Bible out, open it up at Psalms and have a look. Start with number one and number 23 is brilliant as well. And they're all really good and interesting. Have a look and then try to do one of your own. We would love to see them. Bye. Good morning, folks. Good to see you. Um, after whatever it is, six or seven weeks of talking to the camera, it's getting a little bit old 
um, I have to say I'd love to be in your company and to have a sense of speaking to a, a real community of people. Uh, thank you for reaching out to me and reminding me that you're there. Uh, that makes uh, this experience um, much, much better than it would otherwise be. It is some crack recording these videos. Um, it's not without its pitfalls. So last Sunday, uh, we were sitting together, the five of us in our living room, uh, listening to the sermon. And while we were listening, I, I heard a voice. So I thought there was somebody else in the house, uh, something going on in the house during our service. And it was only after a moment that I realized that it was in the actual recording. Uh, then we listened a little bit more carefully. And we heard Claire's voice, Claire shouting through the house, calling us all for coffee. Uh, Claire was mortified uh, by that. Um, I have to say, I was happy enough. Uh, could have been much worse, uh, the shouting that goes on in this house sometimes. Um, listen, it's good, good to be with you this morning. They're strange times, aren't they? None of us has ever lived through anything quite like this, this lockdown, this period of enforced isolation. After six weeks, it's really starting to take its toll. A situation like this can challenge us at the deepest level. It can challenge our very sense of identity. Uh, you see, we've been robbed of many of the things which define us, uh, the work that we do, the places that we normally go to, the relationships that we enjoy. When those things are taken away, uh, we're not quite the same. We're not quite so sure of who we are anymore. So these days, many of us are wondering, who on earth am I? Who am I if I'm not able to do my work? Am I still valuable? Who am I if I can't leave my house? If I'm invisible, does that make me insignificant? Who am, I, who am I if I can't see my family or my friends? Am I still loved? Back in September, at the very start of our church year, we started a major Bible teaching series dealing with the question of identity. And we called it Recommissioned, Becoming the People that God Wants Us to Be. Rather than allowing our culture or our own mood in the moment to determine our identity, we turned to God and asked him to show us in his word who it is that we are. We learned, among other things, that we're people who care for creation. We're people who are to be a blessing to the world. People who get to represent God to others. And we're people who attract other people to God. And so on. So this coronavirus season and the lockdown that comes with it, they affect us every bit as much as they affect any other person, but they needn't shake us to the core. Even in these strange days, we know who we are. We're like the tree that Louise has been talking to the kids about. We have deep roots. We have an identity given to us by our loving Father God. This morning we're going to jump back into our recommissioned series and continue to learn about our identity as the people of God. We're going to see that we're people who bear witness to the living God. To help us see where that call to witness comes from in God's word, 
Hercules is going to read for us now from Acts chapter 1. The first reading today is taken from the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 1 to 2, and verses 6 to 8. Verse 1. In my former book, Theopolis, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach, until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Verse 6. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So there we have it. Whenever Jesus was leaving this earth, the last thing that he said to his disciples were, was that they were to be his witnesses. These first disciples did a very special role in Christianity. Because they'd shared their lives with Jesus, because they'd heard his teaching, seen his miracles, because they had seen his death and his resurrection, they were to be witnesses to Jesus. It was on their testimony that the church was founded. Although those first apostles had a defining role in establishing Christianity and founding the early church, witnessing to Jesus is something that goes beyond the apostles. It's something for anyone who's ever met Jesus right across the world and right through history, right down to this time and this place. We all have the privilege and responsibility of witnessing to the same Jesus. This is the next layer in our beautiful God-given identity. We're people who bear witness to the living God. This recommissioned series isn't a, a series of interesting but unrelated passages and ideas from the Bible. What we're trying to do here is to understand the whole story of the whole Bible, and particularly in relation to the identity question. Who are we? We're witnesses. Not just because of one or two passages in the, Old, in the New Testament, but because of a rich thread of teaching that runs right through the Bible. One of the key passages that establishes the idea of God's people as witnesses comes in Isaiah 43. It'd be great if you'd have uh, that passage open before you. Hercules is going to come back just now and read Isaiah 43 verses 8 to 13 for us. Look out for what that passage has to say about God's people as witnesses. The second reading for today is in Isaiah 43, verses 8 to 13. Lead out those who have eyes but are blind, who have ears but are deaf. All nations gather together, and the peoples assemble. Which of their gods foretold this, and proclaimed to us 
the former things. Let them bring in witnesses to prove they were right, so that others may hear and say, it is true. You are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and apart from me there is no Saviour. I have revealed and saved and proclaimed. I, and not some foreign God among you, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, that I am God. Yes, and from ancient days I am he. No one can deliver out of my hand. When I act, who can reverse it? So we have heard from Isaiah in chapter 43 that God wants his people to be his witnesses. It might help to have a little context at this point. Isaiah is preaching at a time when God's people, Israel, have hit rock bottom. After centuries of rebellion against God, God's patience has finally worn out. He allows the Babylonians to capture his people, to destroy Jerusalem, to burn the temple, and to carry off a load of the population into exile in Babylon. I want to point out, I want to share a couple of things from this passage. The call to witness and the reasons why we witness. Firstly, the call to witness. Look closely at the passage and you'll see that these verses are set up like a court case. Verse 9, all the nations gather together and the peoples assemble. The court here has been convened to decide on a question. Who is the real and living God? The God of Israel or the God of the surrounding nations? Who's going to speak for the God of Israel in this international court? Who's going to speak of his reality and of his power? Well, after what we've just said about the failure of God's people, and by the way, the people whom Isaiah is writing to at this point are still in exile, still living under God's punishment. It's shocking then in verse 10 when God says to his people, you are my witnesses. Being a witness was a big deal in Jewish culture. It was regarded as a sin uh, to fail to speak up and to testify about any matter that you'd seen or heard if it was a matter before a court. There were laws against bearing false witness. We're repeatedly told by the prophets that False witness is something that God hates. And we're told repeatedly that this kind of thing was happening an awful lot among God's people in the previous generations before the exile. It's one of the reasons why God sent them to Babylon in the first place. So God's people have been false witnesses. They've failed entirely in their calling. And yet, here it is. God's people who have let him down so entirely, he calls these descendants of these liars 
to be his witnesses. What an act of grace. What a risk God has taken. And yet it couldn't be any other way. God's committed himself to these people. If he wants a witness in the world, then it's going to have to be Israel. And he can't and won't give up on them. So there's the call to witness, which has been part of the calling of God's people. Notice quickly the reasons why we witness. There are two of them. The first reason is pretty obvious. We witness so that the world can know that God is God and that he alone can save. Look at verse 10 and following. Israel is to be a witness to the world that God says, Before me there was no other God, nor will there be one after me. I, even I, the Lord, and apart from me there is no saviour. Do you see how these two issues here, way back in the prophet Isaiah, are the same issues that we have been dealing with the last few months in our King's Cross series? In King's Cross, we asked the question, who is Jesus? And Isaiah is asking the same question now of the God of Israel. And in both cases, the answer is the same. The God of Israel is the only true God, and so is Jesus Christ. Israel were to bear witness to that truth in their time, and we're to bear witness to that beautiful truth in our time. In King's Cross, we were asking the question, why did Jesus come? And Isaiah asks the same question of the God of Israel here, and in both cases, the answer is the same. The God of Israel is the only true saviour, and so is Jesus Christ. Israel were to witness to that truth in their day, and we're to witness to that same beautiful truth in our day. So there's the first reason that we witness. So that the world can know that Jesus is Lord, and that Jesus alone can save. I was chatting to a member of our congregation this week who's been wondering how he can share this news with a neighbour. They have a neighbour who's dying, whose days are numbered. They don't know yet the true and living God. And they aren't relying on Jesus Christ to save them. And our member is desperate to do something about that. They've understood why we need to witness to Jesus. There's a second and less obvious reason for witness given in our passage. God wants us to witness. Israel were to bear witness to God so that they themselves would be convinced of their life with God. Look at verse 10. God says, you are my witnesses so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. So God calls his people back to their work as witnesses as a way of calling them back to their selves and their identity. Have you ever noticed the impact that witnessing has on your life with Jesus? Have you ever noticed how when you speak up for Jesus, you have a stronger sense of the Spirit's presence in you and his power working through you? Have you ever noticed how encouraging it is to share the good news of Jesus with children or with young people or with church members or with a colleague or a neighbour in your front lines? 
The second reason that Israel were to bear witness was for their own encouragement. So there we have it, the reasons why Israel was to bear witness. They're to bear witness to who God is and what he's done. They're to witness to who Jesus is. We're to witness to who Jesus is and what he's done. And if we do so, and to the extent that we do so, we'll be strengthened in our faith. And God will use us to bring people to him. We've thought about the call to witness. We've thought about why we should bear witness. Let me close by thinking for just a moment about how we might do this right now. Witness to Jesus in the midst of a coronavirus lockdown. I know of one person who's put up a sign at their front gate to let the postman, the Amazon woman and any other person who calls their door know that they're grateful to God for them and praying for them. Wouldn't that be a beautiful witness? I know some of you are inviting members of your families to come and to join you in YouTube church. What that means is that some people who weren't maybe willing to come to a church service to come to be with us are willing to hear about Jesus in their own place. Let's keep inviting them and let's keep praying for them. You might want to send someone a link to last Sunday's sermon. What would Jesus say about coronavirus? It's an invitation to any person to take seriously that death is inevitable and that repentance is imperative. Why not share that with a friend and offer to have a chat with them about it? If you take a look on the YouTube channel, you'll see that I've created a a new playlist called Finding Life, exploring the meaning of the death and resurrection of Jesus for our own lives. Our teaching in the weeks running up to Easter went right to the heart of the Christian gospel. I've simply gathered all that teaching together and made it available in one place without any other distractions. Why not share that with somebody and so witness to Jesus? So, in these strange days, when it's hard to know who we really are, I ask you, who are we? And I remind you from God's word that we're people who bear witness to the living God. I need to wrap things up, but I thought I might leave you today with a couple of questions to think for yourself, to chat through with your family or at your discipleship group. I'll hold up this page that has the two questions on it. Can you think of and share a time when witnessing for Jesus resulted in strengthening your own faith? And then a second question. Courts sometimes speak of a person being a credible witness. That is somebody whose testimony we can believe. What kind of a person would I need to be? to be a credible witness for Christ. You might want to pause the video at this point so that you can copy down those questions, uh, think about them and have them ready for discussion.
Hi, just a, a last few comments and announcements from me. Uh, first of all, thank you to all those who've joined me uh, to help put together this week's City of Love gathering. To Rachel for leading us, Louise talking to the kids and Hercules giving the Bible readings. Thank you to, to Sarah, who's going to be leading us in prayer in just a moment. One uh, thing that we've been working on this week is tidying up uh, our resources uh, section on our My Church Suite uh, app. This is a place that we used to call the Kirkpatrick Update uh, because we, we posted our monthly printed update in there. It meant that anybody could access it from anywhere on their, their phone or device. Um, what we've realized over the last few weeks is that we're making all sorts of resources available uh, way beyond just the update. Um, so we've renamed that on the My Church Suite menu. It's now simply called Resources. It has all sorts of things in there. You might want to have a quick look. Uh, so, for example, the Write Your Own Sam worksheet that Louise referenced earlier, that's in there. And the Made for More booklet that we talked about in our emails over the last couple of days, that's in there too. So have a look, make sure that you can reference or access, sorry, the resources section on your My Church Suite app. You'll find that very helpful. Uh, just a, a few comments about the extras this week. There's another video there from Monty and Gwen. Um, you wouldn't half know that those guys have a bit of time in their hands, the amount of video content coming through. Um, You'll see as well that we have another postcards from home. It's just brilliant to see these photographs. Please keep sending them. I'll keep pestering you for them, but you don't need an invitation. Uh, so long as we're not able to gather together, uh, we're keen to see each other, see what people are up to. So just keep sending photos and videos, and we'll try to make sure we publish those on your behalf. Just now I'm going to hand over to Sarah McKee who's going to lead us in our prayers for others. And after that, we're going to have a closing song for today. It's a great song, a great reminder of where our, our identity is finally found. It's in Jesus. He is our cornerstone. This morning, we are going to centre our prayers of intercession around the ancient call to prayer found in Second Chronicles 7, verse 14. This is what it says. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Let us pray together. Father, we are reminded in these verses that we are your people called by your name. We pray this morning that you would remind us of that. Lord, with changing roles, job furloughs and redundancies, the lack of structure that the normal rhythms of school, work, church and extracurricular activities has left many of us struggling with the question of who am I and what am I for? Lord, we are unable to live into our titles as grandparents, parents, children or friends the way we would want to with lockdown measures in place. And so, Father, into that void this morning, I pray that we hear your voice and your reminder that we are your people and we are called by your name. Would you use this strange season when so much else has been stripped back to form and fashion our primary identity in you? 
and fathers from that place as your people called by your name that we come to pray this morning and to seek your face. You've told us that if we remain in you and in your words that we may ask whatever we wish and it will be done for us. So we come boldly this morning and Lord we come boldly to pray for your church. Your church here in East Belfast as Kirkpatrick Memorial but also churches all over our city, Northern Ireland and the world. We pray Father that you would humble us we pray that you would create in us a new sense of dependency on you that prioritises communion with you and intercession for others above everything else in this season. Renew in us as your church, Lord, a passion for prayer. Bring us to our knees this morning, every morning this week and in the days and weeks to come. Teach us how to pray, Father God. Renew and revive your church forgive our sins and heal our land. And thank you, Father, for your promise that you will hear from heaven and you will hear our, heal our land. And that is our desire, King Jesus. We pray for a healing of our land from coronavirus. Lord, many of us battle with the question and thought of how we will ever be able to emerge from lockdown with the threat of virus still looming. We pray, Jesus, that you would halt coronavirus in its tracks we ask that you would heal our land. We pray for those we know and love who are sick either at home or in hospital at the moment, who are experiencing directly the impact of coronavirus on their bodies. We ask, Lord, that they would know your presence and company with them as they isolate from others. We pray that you would sustain them physically and emotionally and that they would know your healing power. We pray too, Jesus, for those in our community working in healthcare or as key workers. Lord God, would you renew their sense of purpose and calling this week? Would they have such a sense of being your hands and feet? And would you empower them to minister your grace and hope and love to every single person they touch and interact with this week? Heal our land, Lord, we pray. Father, we pray for your healing for those in our community who have pre-existing health conditions and concerns and are now facing delays to treatment or diagnosis. Lord, we ask for your intervention. We ask for your touch and Lord, we ask for your peace and comfort. Father, heal our land. For those we know and love and those among us who are struggling mentally with the strain of lockdown, whether that is because of isolation and loneliness or the sheer overwhelmingness that comes with trying to work and parent and homeschool and all the other demands of this crazy season. Heal us, Lord. Heal us from anxiety and depression. Heal us from the sense of hurry and busyness that has plagued so many of our lives for so long. And in this pause and reset, Jesus, again, would you fill the void? Would you help us to be intentional at building rhythms and patterns that will carry us through lockdown but also out of lockdown in step with you like never before. Father, forgive our sins and heal our land. Lord, we know that everything the enemy means for evil, you've promised to turn around for good. And so, Father, we bring before you this morning those we know and love who are far from you. Would you use the uniqueness of this time to turn many hearts to you? Father, forgive us our sins and heal our land. And finally, Father, we are also aware that, the pol that pollution and the state of our environment and the physical world has been at a crucial point. 
So Lord, we pray that you would use this season with relative quiet on the roads and a halt on all but essential travel, less litter in our parks and beaches to heal our land. Would you halt climate change and reverse some of the damage the 21st century living has had on the world around us? Forgive us our sins and heal our land. Thank you, Father God, that if we, your people who are called by your name, would humble ourselves and pray and seek your face, you will hear from heaven, forgive us our sins and heal our land. Remind us this week of our position as your children and your church. Remind us that we have your ear, King Jesus, and may we be both expectant and surprised at the way we see you move this week as we humble ourselves and seek your face. Amen. We began our time together thinking of how it can be easy to lose sight of the big picture of our lives as followers of Jesus. When we focus on our circumstances or what is before us rather than lifting our eyes to the Lord. As I was thinking of these things, I spotted a quote from a follower of Jesus called Corrie Ten Boom that some of you might have heard of. And this quote summarises beautifully what we've been thinking of. And I thought it would be a lovely prayer for us as we finish our time together and look to the week ahead. Corrie Ten Boom's family were followers of Jesus and during World War II hid many Jewish people in their house from capture and death. Her whole family were sent to prison when it was discovered what they were doing and they endured awful suffering whilst imprisoned, including the death of Corrie's sister Betsy. Once released, Corrie spent the rest of her days telling people about Jesus. This is what she said about where followers of Jesus should focus their gaze. Look within and be depressed. Look without and be distressed. Look to Christ and be at rest. This is my prayer for us in the week that lies ahead, whatever we may be facing. Don't look within. Don't look without, but look to Christ. And as we do that, as God's word has shown us this morning, we will grow in him and share him with those around us that don't yet know him. Holy Spirit, would you help us to look to Christ this week? And as we do that, may our lives proclaim him to our friends, family, neighbours, work colleagues and beyond. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.